the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're ready on a free-for-all Friday edition of Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. It's the 13th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And the Joe Brandon administration has a message for you. That message is, American babies eat last. That's not a joke. That's not a, it's not a, a, you know, just a funny, dramatic way of making a point. It's a legitimate message. Even though the words didn't come out of the mouth of the president, the policy is that American babies eat last. If you have not yet been paying attention, we talked about it some yesterday, we talked about it some on Wednesday, we need to talk about it a lot more today. If you have not yet been paying attention, um, the baby shortage, the baby formula rather, the left wishes there was a straight up baby shortage, and they're working really, really hard to make sure that there is one. They are pushing very, very hard to short the country of babies by pushing abortion more and more and more. A little side note here. They are starting to move away from the words pro-choice. 
This has been something they are now critical of. Pro-choice isn't strong enough. They want it to be pro-abortion. Not pro-make-your-decision as to whether you want to have your baby murdered or not in utero, but pro-abortion, which is, yes, pro-murder. Abortion, synonymous with termination, synonymous, synonymous with death. Pro, what did I tell you? What have I been telling you for days now, maybe a couple of weeks now? I stopped, particularly when this leak happened, uh, of the draft opinion in the, in the court. I'll come back to the baby formula in a second. But I told you that we needed to just start calling it what it is. Tell them to own it. The opposite of life isn't choice. The opposite of life is death. Stop using a softer, more gentle euphemism for what your stand is. If you approve of murdering babies, you are pro-death. The opposite of pro-life. You're not pro-choice. That's what I said and have been saying now for a bit. Now, apparently, even the pro-choice caucus hates its own name. Wait, what? Yeah, the pro-choice caucus, members of the House of Representatives, demon rats all, in the pro-choice caucus don't like their own name. They released yesterday a list of abortion messaging do's and don'ts from the pro-choice caucus. One of the don'ts and their talking points was use the word choice. Don't use the word choice. It's considered harmful language. Instead of choice, use pro-abortion. Now, this comes from the pro-choice caucus. Will they name themselves and rename themselves pro-abortion caucus? It would be better. It would be more accurate. Pro-abortion caucus would be synonymous with pro-death caucus, which is what I've been saying. Now, I don't know if somebody in D.C. has been listening to me or not, particularly somebody on the left, somebody in the pro-choice caucus. But I'll tell you what, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm loving the direction here. We're getting closer and closer to recognizing these people for what they are. And moreover, we're getting them closer and closer to stating it. We believe in killing babies, pro-death, pro-abortion, not pro-choice. Way too soft. In fact, that could be considered harmful. The pro-choice caucus now says, don't use the word choice, use the word uh, abortion, pro-abortion. So we're getting closer to making them own who and what they are. So yes, they would definitely much definitely approve of a uh, a baby shortage, as I misspoke a moment ago. Of course, what I mean to say now, though, is the story about baby formula shortage. This is getting to be something that is, um, I don't know, it's 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 just about out of hand. It's it's almost impossible to believe that the American left really truly believes that American babies, infants who need formula should go to the back of the line behind illegal alien babies. Now, before you go getting all up in arms, I'm not suggesting it's the illegal alien baby's fault. I hold nothing against the little illegal alien babies. And I don't care if those illegal alien babies are brown babies or black babies or white babies or any ethnic baby whatsoever. This isn't about that. This is about the fact that there are scores Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of illegal aliens entering our country every single week. Thousands upon thousands at the at accepting, essentially, the invitation to come across our border by the President of the United States. 
And among those thousands and thousands and thousands of illegal aliens are an awful lot of infants who need baby formula. How about that? Now, that might you know not be a newsflash, but the newsflash is that the illegal alien babies are being fed before American babies. The stores are empty. The shelves are empty. Similac, Enfamil, whatever the, the, the most popular baby formulas are. We used Enfamil when my children were infants. They're empty. The shelves are empty. But wow, look what's happening down on our southern border. Look what's happening down in Florida. Look, look, what's, look at what's happening in our border states uh, like Texas. I got a couple of different messages through my website, alwayswrite.us, overnight from yesterday until today. I tell people all the time to use the sound off button there to record your messages for me in case you can't call in live. And they have. Hey, Bob, Brian from Cleveland. Curious if you heard anything about Congresswoman Kat Kamen. I think that's her name from Florida's third. Apparently, she had gotten some information from the Border Patrol about the Ursula Processing Center in Texas. And apparently, they're unloading truckload upon truckload of baby formula, of all things. And it's being handed out to the illegal crossers that are crossing with infant children. How does that sit with you? Thanks, man. Love your show. Thank you, Brian in Brunswick. Brian was all over it. Absolutely knew exactly what was going on, and so did Joanne. Hi, Bob. It's Joanne in Twinsburg. I just saw on Outnumbered that Representative Kamek, I believe she's from Florida, she might be from Texas, has a video out there of pallets of baby formula being delivered to the border so the illegal babies can eat, but the legal ones can't. Just thought you might want to look into that and see what's out there, because I'm not sure of all the details, and they didn't show anything on the news. They just mentioned that she has it out there. Well, it is being shown now by Representative Kat Kamek, and to clarify, like uh, I think Brian did a good job of it, she's from Florida. She's a, a Florida state representative, or excuse me, a congresswoman. But she was speaking on what was happening in Texas at the Ursula Processing Center. That's correct. And now they are doing more than just talking about it. They're showing it. Who's they? Kat Kamek is who they are. She has uh, put up a video on Twitter, which is now available. You can watch it at alwayswrite.us. Click the link. It's at the very top of the page. Headlined, America, Biden says American babies eat last. And you will see the video and the still photographs of deliveries of pallets of the aforementioned Enfamil, Similac, and other baby formulas. She posted one of the photographs on her Twitter feed uh, actually on Wednesday. The first photo is from this morning at the Ursula Processing I'm quoting her, at the Ursula Processing Center at the U.S. border. Shelves and pallets packed with baby formula. The second is a shelf right here at home. Formula is scarce. This is what America last looks like. And she is spot on. The nationwide, this is now from the Washington Examiner, nationwide shortage of formula that has sent mothers desperately rushing from store to store has evaded one lucky group, illegal aliens detained by Border Patrol. According to the videos posted by Kat Kamek, the Florida lawmaker, 
the Biden administration has been shipping pallets of baby formula to migrant holding facilities. Quote, they are sending pallets of baby formula to the border. Meanwhile, in our own district at home, we cannot find formula, along with those photographs. Kamek said that a border agent sent her photographs of the deliveries, which she then posted online. They're receiving pallets and more pallets of baby formula at the border, she said, holding one of the photos. This was taken at Ursula. And she confronted an agent and asked about it. And the agent told her, Cat, you would not believe the shipment I just brought in. He has been a border, border agent for 30 years, has never seen anything like this. He's a grandfather and says his own children can't get, his own grandchildren can't get baby formula. A U.S. Customs and Border Protection spokesperson said it's the agency's job to protect those in custody. CBP takes seriously its legal responsibility to ensure the safety and security of individuals in our custody. Ensuring migrants, including children and infants, in our custody have their basic needs met is in line with this administration's commitment to ensuring safe, orderly, and humane processes at our border. CBP complies with all applicable regulations for the purchase of products used in CBP facilities. End quote. So there's your statement. U.S. Customs and Border Border Protection, under the orders of the President of the United States, are committed and must, by law, collect, purchase, acquire, whatever you want to call it, enough food and supplies, including baby formula, to care for the illegal aliens who have no business being on American soil while American babies go hungry. This is not a joke. This isn't a Babylon Bee onion story where it's parody and satire. Boy, look how bad the Biden administration is. Even babies are going hungry. This would be one that they would write, but it's not. It's reality. American babies are going hungry while illegal aliens from countries A A through Z who have crossed our border illegally against American law despite the invitation and red carpet rollout by President Joe Let's Go Brandon, they get fed while your children can't eat. Now I'm looking and I'm waiting and I'm begging and I'm calling for somebody who voted for this piece of trash to defend what is going on in this country. Eight and a half percent inflation, 11 percent wholesale inflation, 441 a gallon, record high. Babies starving. People can't put food on their own their own tables. This is all started, this has begun, basically on January 20th, 2021, when Joe Brandon walked in and crushed the energy sector by signing orders to stop the drilling for, for oil and natural gas, fracking, stop the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, make America dependent on foreign energy, all so that we would crumble, and we are, and then be forced into their Green New Deal initiatives. And they don't care how many people can eat or can't eat. 
Somebody justify your vote for a man who is now literally prioritizing foreign-born infants over American citizen infants. And it's not their foreign status that makes this so egregious. It's that they're here illegally. This would be tantamount to, I don't know, sending pallets of baby formula that are scarce in the United States to other countries. You might as well just pack them up, shrink wrap the pallets up, and send them off to Guatemala or Honduras or across the, uh, you know, the Atlantic into Europe. You might as well just send them because what they're doing is they're saying, well, if you won't send it, we'll come and steal it. We'll come and take it. We'll come and cross the border and you will be compelled, obliged, required, mandated to provide it to us. Meanwhile, American babies cry. Meanwhile, American infants starve. It's not an overstatement. It's not an exaggeration. That's reality. We've got a lot to talk about this morning. I welcome your thoughts on this at 216-901-0945, We're also going to be talking about this and the surrender of American sovereignty. We talked about that yesterday, too. Joe Brandon literally signing over authority in the United States when it comes to health emergencies to foreign countries. Authority going to the WHO, the World Health Organization. This is exactly what he wanted to do, and it's exactly what he's done. Surrendered American sovereignty. Leo Holman will join me in about 20 minutes to talk about that. We'll also talk with David Freeman in the uh, third hour of the program about the Convention of States, which we have done before. Before we do any of that, though, let me ask you, patriots, please rise. And please keep the faith and stand and face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. Just imagine one and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in foreign-born babies eating comfortably while American babies starve at the direct order of our federal government, then you don't understand a thing about this country. You are exempted from saying this pledge. I know you'll be more comfortable on a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all 924 right back after this have to share with you right now is the craziness of the empty shelves Biden movement and the fact that they are sending pallets, pallets of baby formula to the border. Meanwhile, in our own district at home, we cannot find baby formula. This is a picture from a Target. Oh, it's upside down. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. We literally are struggling to find baby formula around the country moms are struggling going from store to store to store and then the stores are actually capping the amount of baby formula that they will sell them but and this got sent to me by a border patrol agent this morning and said this is disgusting you will not believe this they're receiving pallets and more pallets of baby formula at the border this was taken at Ursula 
processing facility where thousands are being housed and processed and then released subsequently into the United States. So think about this. This is what America last looks like. This is 100% what it looks like. And in response, Congress, we actually, before I even got these photos, we were working. We'll cut it there. It's a 14-minute video. I just wanted to give you the first minute and a half or so of Kat Kamek, the uh, Florida congresswoman, showing the photograph sent to her by border agents in Texas. And then there is video of exactly that. These uh, these pallets have been delivered, and according to the statement made by the Border Patrol, or excuse me, by U.S. Uh, Customs and Border Enforcement, they are required to provide and meet the needs of the people in their detention. So they have to be fed first. Now, what I'm curious about, in all seriousness here, what if we had a full-on uh, nationwide food shortage, not shortage, not just um, baby formula? but just flat-out food shortage, because this is not something that is out of the realm of possibility. As a matter of fact, it's something that many people are predicting is happening because of numerous strangely coincidental incidents and attacks on American food processing centers. Fires mysteriously burning food processing centers to the ground. Multiple plane crashes into food processing facilities. What are the odds, right? There are those who believe that we are in for a legitimate food shortage, food lines, bread lines, circa 1929, that style of thing, right? If that happens, what happens when they start feeding the illegal alien adults before Americans? What happens when they start feeding, well, American prisoners in our prisons, in our jails, before they start feeding free Americans? If, indeed, the government ends up having to control the distribution of food, will they prioritize free, law-abiding American citizens, or will they prioritize lawbreakers, either in our jails, our prisons, or in our custody at the border? I know it's it's an impossible thing to think about. I mean, come on, will we ever be that short of food? Maybe, maybe not. But the babies are short that are that short of food right now, and we are getting a sneak peek. Foreign-born lawbreakers, their children, their infants take priority. It's an impossible thing, except that it's real. Leo Holman is going to be joining us next. We're going to talk about why it is the United States is surrendering surrendering sovereignty and virtually everything else to uh, foreign countries and foreign leadership. Is this the beginning of the globalism that so many people had warned of? We'll tell you about that with Leo Holman coming up next after the news, AM 1420 The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz and The Answer. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us. I just posted, if uh, you didn't see it yet, at the top of the page. You'll see that video from uh, Representative Kat Kamek from Florida. Uh, the pictures that she posted and she shared as well from the Ursula Processing Center in Texas that were sent to her by an alarmed Border Patrol agent who saw it all firsthand. Pallets and pallets of baby formula feeding foreign nationals who crossed our uh, border illegally 
even though there was a red carpet rolled out for them. But they did cross the border illegally while American babies are left to go hungry uh, right now. So uh, check that out at alwaysright.us. Now, yesterday also we posted about this, and I shared with you yesterday this extraordinary revelation. Uh, some have been on top of it for a bit, including my next guest. But this is uh, just a brief explanation of it from former Congresswoman and presidential candidate Michelle Bachman. Two weeks' time, a vote will take place in Geneva, Switzerland, at the World Health Assembly. They're important because they're the governing body of the World Health Organization, WHO. This authority that they would be given would impact 99.4% of all the people in the world. There are 193 nations belonging to the UN. The Biden administration is bringing amendments that would propose that all nations of the earth cede their sovereignty over national health care decisions to the WHO, the World Health Organization. If that sounds alarming, um, it is, and you should be alarmed. As a matter of fact, you should be terrified, you should be outraged, and you should be ready to act. Joining us now to discuss what this really means is uh, author and investigative journalist Leo Holman, joining us once again on AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland. Leo, thanks for coming back on with us. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Well, this is uh, this is quite the story. I thought the most... Uh, interesting and, quite frankly, devastating words in uh, Michelle Bachman's little description there that she gave to Steve Bannon on uh, War War Room Pandemic was that this wasn't something that the WHO came up with and that Biden said, okay, we'll go along with it, I suppose, as long as everybody else is. According to what she said and what has been reported, these are Biden proposals that the U.S. is recommending that the WHO and thus the WHA have all of the um, authority to decide what happens in U.N. member nations in the event of of health emergencies. Did I hear it right, Leo? Yes, you absolutely did uh, correctly understand what she said there, Bob. Uh, these amendments were uh, came out of nowhere on January 18th of this year, apparently from a woman named Lois Pace, who is the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services for Global Affairs, uh, in a letter to the WHO. On January 18th, she proposed these amended uh, international health regulations. And uh, nobody knew about them, however, until April the 12th. That's when they showed up on the uh, World Health Organization website as an agenda item for their upcoming World Health Assembly, uh, May 22nd through 28th in Geneva, Switzerland. That is now a little over a week away. Um, and they're going to be voting on these amendments at that World Health Assembly in Geneva. And, uh, you know, you ask the congressman about this, they'll, they'll, they'll have eyes glazed over and not have a clue what you're talking about. You ask a U.S. senator, they won't know what you're talking about. This is being done completely under the cloak of darkness and secrecy, Bob. Uh, and I, I Leo, Leo, let me jump in. Let me jump in for clarification. Yeah. There, their eyes will glaze over because they don't know what we're talking about, or they will be feigning uh, a lack of knowledge about this. I don't understand how they could. I not think know. most of them will genuinely not know anything about it. Uh, there are a few, I'm sure, 
who do know about it. And uh, probably mostly on the Democratic side, if I had to guess. Most of our Republican Congress, members of Congress are asleep at the switch, Bob. I have, if, if I've discovered anything over the last two years, it's that these people don't represent us. They don't live in our reality. Uh, and therefore, they don't study up on these things. Um, a good case in point, example, was this bill they just voted on earlier this week to give $40 billion to the Ukraine. While mothers can't even find baby formula on the shelves here in the United States, we have $40 billion to give to the Ukraine, and that's just a down payment on what they want to give to Ukraine. It's endless. It's a blank check for Ukraine. It's nothing for American mothers. And so how many Republicans voted for that, Bill, uh, uh, Bob? 147 joined all of the Democrats and voting for that bill. How many voted against it? How many Republicans? 57. So that tells you everybody's talking about we need to take over, take back the Congress in November. Yes, you can take back the Congress with people who have an R next to their name. But are they really representing America first type interests? No. The vast majority of the, the, the politicians who run with an R next to their name are globalists not America first leaders. We have 57 right now in the U.S. House of Representatives who are America first leaders who get it, who understand the, the, the vital interests of American citizens. I'd say we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot more work to do uh, than people think. We're talking with author and investigative journalist Leo Holman about this uh, this 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 summit that is happening on May 22nd through May uh, 28th in Geneva, in which uh, they are going to be voting on regulations proposed by the Biden administration that would essentially uh, put the World Health Organization in charge of all member nations' health decisions on lockdowns, on mask mandates, on on jab mandates, and so on. Um, so that the individual autonomy and sovereignty of the uh, of the United States of America and all other member nations would essentially cease to exist. This is truly globalism. To the point you made, Leo, uh, about people not knowing, you know, maybe, you know, they just haven't been made aware and they're blind, blind to all of this. I'm aware. You're aware. Um, it's it's online now. Steve Bannon's aware. His massive audience is aware. There are a lot of American citizens who are. They've got to know now. It, it does, is someone going to ask them? Is somebody going to go before May twenty second to you know the maybe maybe one of the fifty seven that you're talking about the ones that maybe we can trust to actually put America's interests first? Uh, they can't deny this going into May twenty second when when so much of the population knows it now. No, I don't think any of them can deny it. Um, but if you called one of them right now, they would probably feign like there's nothing they can do about it. And and maybe they're right at this point. It's late in the game. This is literally a little over a week away, like I said, and it was kept completely secret until April 12th. And it took even, I think, days to a week or so after that before anyone noticed it buried on the World Health Organization website. I didn't find out about it until uh, April 24th. That was my first article. And, and I was one of the very first to write about it, at least, at least in a clear and coherent way. Part of the th- problem going on here, uh, Bob, is 
is something I need to explain. Okay. There is a separate thing, referred thing for lack of a better word, referred to as the pandemic treaty. People have been in the conservative circles, have been concerned and reporting and talking about the quote unquote pandemic treaty for months. Right. Uh, that, however, is part of what is confusing people. It's being used as a decoy. This pandemic treaty is something that has to go through an entire process of drafting it, negotiating it, holding public hearings. Then the U.S. Senate would have to vote to ratify it. That will take two and a half years at the least to materialize. So when people start talking about the pandemic treaty, they that's putting their eyes on something and how horrible it is, which it is horrible. But that's putting people's eyes on something that's two and a half year, years away. And they're unaware of these amendments to an existing treaty, which do not have to go back before the Senate, because this is an existing treaty called the International Health Regulation that's been on the books in its current form at WHO since 2005, uh, when they were last amended during the uh, George W. Bush administration. And so uh, while there, people are talking and concerned about this pandemic treaty, uh, people are conflating that with an, these amendments to an existing treaty, which are urgent, imminent, and happening uh, in a week or a little over a week uh, with this big vote at the World Health Assembly. And so a big part of the inaction on the part of conservatives is they're confused. Um, clarity is, is finally starting to coalesce, I believe, in the last few days. I think since Steve Bannon took it up on, on what? excuse me, on War Room, uh, some clarity is beginning to emerge as he's been interviewing Michelle Bachman, who is, she has a gift of of clarifying and summarizing things in in the verbal form, where I kind of have that gift in the written form. But uh, between articles from a few people like me and her voice getting on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room, this thing is starting to coalesce, but is it too late? I'm, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I, I, you well, know, once the horse is out of the barn, it's a little hard to stop. Well, uh, let's talk about how that happens. Who's on that horse? What I mean is, is this just something in Geneva where Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the uh, U- ambassador to the U.N., will, will decide for all of America whether or not we surrender our sovereignty and our, and our authority to make our own health decisions? Is it, is it a... Is it a uh, a group of ambassadors, um, and and doesn't it take some sort of act of Congress before we would agree to something like this in the United Nations, or is this all executive branch stuff? Great question. Um, it's my understanding, uh, Bob, that our delegation is going to be headed by Javier, Javier Becerra, who is the uh, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration. Um, a lot of the countries have not even named who their delegation will be, but we can only assume that it will be like the head of their health ministries and those types of agencies. Um, and once they pass this thing in the, at the end, at this, in this last week of May, um, then it goes to a six month review period where it's my understanding that it could be nullified if, uh, if the Congress, or legislative branch and executive branch agree to do so 
in any particular nation. And there's 194 member nations of the World Health Organization. Um, so we do still have six months. If this thing is passed, later this month, we still have six months where it could be voted down by Congress. Uh, Biden could decide, you know, nah, I don't really want to do this. But, you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> because it's coming from his or this whole thing emanated originally from his administration. So there's absolutely yeah. no chance of that happening. Um, that, that's the most staggering and, uh, thing about this. But, but Leah, looking forward, um, a past six months. Looking, you know, I mean, we, we were stuck with the horrific Paris Climate Accord that Barack Obama signed us into, the Iran nuclear deal. Donald Trump came in and axed us right out of those things. Um, is this something that the next president can do? Or, uh, you know, if, would... there's, if there's a strong enough majority, if the Republicans take over the Congress, and again, your points about whether or not an R really means anything these days are very well taken. But if there there was a veto-proof majority, is this something that we could get out of almost as quickly as we get into? A future president, I think, uh, could get us out of it, just like Donald Trump rem- uh, got us. He removed us from being a member nation of the World Health Organization, if you recall. That's right. On day one, right. as, soon as, as soon as Biden was uh, installed, uh, he he reversed that action by executive order, and so uh, yeah, it can be reversed. But we would have to uh, we would have to bow out of the World Health Organization as a member state of that organization. Well, tell me this, Leo. What we're talking to Leo Holman, author and investigative reporter. I know we're short on time here, Leo. But do, what what is our advantage there? What to what is the benefit of the United States being a member of the World Health Organization? Because I didn't notice anything terribly different when President Trump pulled us out of it. Well, unfortunately, that that is actually a very good point. Uh, unfortunately, we have a bureaucracy, entrenched bureaucracy in this nation. Uh, it's called the. Uh, CDC, the FDA, the HHS, uh, the NIH, all of these uh, alphabet soup agencies that touch on health emergencies, health care issues in this country, they're still going to abide by uh, most of the, quote, guidelines or recommendations that are coming down from the WHO. That's why I tell people, you know, you're afraid about world government. We already have a loose form of world government in this country because these these federal agencies are out of control and they do not answer to uh, the American people or even our elected officials. Trump wanted us out of the WHO and got us out. But what happened? The CDC was still following WHO guidelines and recommendations. So uh, the you know, the, the cat was out of the bag. We already have a loose form of world government. They're trying to tighten things up. They're trying to strengthen that infrastructure uh, with with these amendments. Uh, but we're already far down the road, Bob, and most people don't realize that, towards global governance. Let me, uh, Leo, ask you one final question here, because this is something that was asked by a listener of mine uh, who left a message for me who said if and when we end up signed on to this thing and the World Health Organization makes decisions regarding national and international health concerns for all member nations who sign on, is it feasible, plausible, possible that there's a huge surge in, in uh, new uh, sub-variants of COVID this, this uh, summer and late summer 
Can the WHO order nations like the United States, because they signed on to this, uh, in the name of public health, to have all mail-in elections like we did in 2020? Can they shut people down or lock people in the way they are in Shanghai so nobody can get out to vote and, and preserve the Democrat majority here by, uh, by, by whatever means necessary? Do you think this is something that the Biden administration is, is counting on uh, in order to protect their power? That is definitely uh, something of top concern on all of our minds right there, what you said, Bob. Uh, yes, what most people don't understand is that we are living under emergency law right now. Joe Biden indefinitely extended the national health emergency that was first put in place in uh, March 11, 2020, by President Trump. Trump extended it. Biden got in and extended it. Then he extended it again indefinitely. So what happens when you're living under emergency law? The Constitution is set aside. And so the government can basically do anything it wants with elections and whatever by declaring a national health emergency. And that's what we're living under right now. That, Bob, is the very definition of dictatorship. Yes, it is. Authoritarian, totalitarian regimes always have an emergency. You know, the nation of Cuba has been under a perpetual emergency ever since the advent of Fidel Castro and that revolution. We have got to get rid of this state of emergency. Leo Holman, investigative journalist and author uh, extraordinaire, writes about this and so much more on his website. I'm looking at it right now. It's leoholman.com, H-O-H-M-A-N-N, leoholman.com. Leo, thank you for sounding the alarm on this. We appreciate it uh, very much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, That's Leo Holman joining us. It's 9.56. We're going to take this right to the news. Your phone calls after that on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. On Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks to Leo Holman. You know, um, if you're not a believer yet, um, if you're not a believer yet in what Barack Obama promised that they were going to do when he was first elected, that they were going to fundamentally transform America, I don't know what it will take to convince you. Surrendering America's sovereignty. Surrendering America's autonomy. Surrendering our right to deal with health emergencies or health crises or health conditions or whatever. Um, As we see fit, surrendering that to a globalist organization is the beginning of the destruction of this capitalist, free, constitutional republic. It's, it, just, it, it just is. Leo Holman just laid it out. 
national sovereignty is at stake. We already don't have a country, because if you don't have borders, then you don't have a country. And our southern border is non-existent. People come wandering across it, wading across it, uh, speeding across it, and there are no repercussions whatsoever. We don't have a border, ergo we don't have a country. But in the unlikely event that we would try to regain our status as a country under current leadership, and that's why it would be unlikely, because of current leadership, in the unlikely event, we wouldn't be able to do that if we sign on to this WHO uh, takeover. It's, it's a hostile yet peaceful takeover. Hostile because of what it represents, but it's peaceful because we were willingly going into it. We wrote it. We being the Brandon administration. This takeover over the United States. Now, if you think, yeah, but Bob... What's the really big deal here? I mean, how many more pandemics are we going to have in our lifetimes or in the next, you know, generation's lifetimes? I mean, come on. You know, global pandemics. I mean, there was the 1918 uh, Spanish flu, and then there was COVID. I mean, you know, we're at least good for another 100 years. What are you panicking about? If that's what your, your, your belief is, then I don't think you're paying attention. It's not just about COVID-19. This, these Biden proposals to the WHO that will be discussed and voted upon at this, uh, this, uh, uh, meeting, this assembly, uh, in, uh, on May 28th in Geneva is about overall international health regulations. By amending the existing treaty Leo told us about called the International Health Regulation of 2005, They are able to bypass U.S. Senate approval for any of this. Brandon can do this all on his own. And that would put health regulations in the hands of the globalists, the the WHO. And under the auspices of health regulation and in the interest of public health worldwide, they could declare climate change slash global warming to be an issue that impacts world health and therefore impose upon us whatever new regulations they wish. Regulations to American business, to American industry, to American mobility, to American power, to American energy. You understand this? This isn't just about do they have the right to tell us what we should do in the in the in the face of a global pandemic. The World Health Organization would then be able to just tell us what to do, period. All they have to do is declare it to be in the best interest of world health. And clearly climate change is an existential threat to world health. This is this is so large. This is so extraordinarily mammoth, that it's impossible to believe what Leo told me, that that American politicians, members of Congress, including Republicans, don't know about it. They have to know about it. And as I said, I know about it. You know about it. Our listeners know about it. Leo knows about it. Kat Kamek just, you know, well, actually, hers is a little bit different. She was talking more about just the... uh, 
uh, globalist nature of feeding foreign nationals over Americans, although that's pretty closely related. But there are certainly members of the United States Congress who know about this. What are they going to do about this? Leo wrote, The idea, directed by the billionaire backers of the World Economic Forum, is to crack down on free speech at the very same time they're setting up a noose to hang around the necks of four sovereign nations. In other words, let's marry this to the new disinformation governance board, headed up by far-left-wing nut Nina Jankowitz, who wants to edit all online content that people might post, that might point out the threat to American sovereignty and American independence that is posed by this particular uh, agreement that is about to be signed upon by the United States of America. Think about that. You're not going to be allowed to bring this up. You're not going to be allowed to complain. They will they will shut you down. They will change your words. They will add on context paragraphs to explain why you're a nut. This is why we see the timing, writes Leo Homan, of these anti-free speech measures unfolding now in all of the formerly free nations. They are designed to keep users of large social media platforms immersed in the government narrative about the forever virus, COVID, about whether elections in formerly free Western nations are actually still free and fair, about the holy and righteous nature of Ukraine's war with Russia that everyone must support. And don't forget about that other tenet of the new one-world religion, climate change. The unpopular Green New Deal policies that Biden was unable to pass through Congress could be simply implemented under the new upgraded IHR regulations. The IHR is the International Health Regulations, updated and amended. And you wondered how the Great Reset was eventually going to reach out and touch you, making you own nothing and yet be happy? You have your answer now. If the United Nations World Health Organization gets the desired new powers that the Biden administration has proposed to give it, look out. These 13 proposed amendments would create a beast with teeth at the United Nations. Let's be clear on what's happening. They are building the infrastructure for global governance and strengthening the infrastructure that's already in place. If you don't immediately reach out and touch by way of email or phone call or whatever you have to, your senators, our senators, our representatives, and tell them what is going on there, or ask them if they know what is going on there, and demand that this cease, that this global uh, summit in Geneva on May 22nd, you know, that it, that it be called off, that we not participate, then you are literally signing on to the Great Reset. You are signing on by inactivity. You are signing on for this surrender of American sovereignty. I'm going to do everything I can, and I'll, I'll do it publicly, too. On Monday, Jim uh, uh, Jordan comes back on, and I'll ask him what he knows about it and what he and others are going to try to do about it. I'll try to reach as many members of Congress as I can, on the air and off. But this is bigger than people realize. Michelle Bachman, and I, th- I loved how uh, Leah Holman you know, kind of phrased this. She has a gift for explaining this in very clear terms that everybody can understand, and she did so on uh, the uh, War Room pandemic with Steve Bannon. This is how we first uh, brought this to you. So what this would mean, Steve, is that the WHO would have decision-making authority to intervene into the United States government policy in any nation of the world without our permission 
So, for instance, the lockdowns where you see 26 million people today locked down in Shanghai, China, they can't leave their apartments or homes. The WHO would have the authority to be able to impose that here in the United States for whatever pretext they want. They don't have to show data. They could do this. What this does, Steve, bottom line, is it creates a platform for global governance, global governance through the WHO. This is what people need to know. It's time sensitive. No one knew about this. The Biden administration gave these proposed amendments to the World Health Organization on January 18th. No one in America knew this until April 12th, less than a month ago. They put, the Biden administration posted these amendments. But in less than two weeks in Geneva, Geneva, Switzerland, the delegates will vote on this. They've all, the Biden administration has already released a list of countries, 40 of the most powerful countries in the world, including Canada, including the EU, including the UK, including Australia. These countries are going along with the Biden administration's insane push to give sovereignty over the untrustworthy WHO. Again, this creates a platform for global governance. It is every bit as alarming as that sounds. And the fact that so many of our allies, including here in North America, Canada, and then, of course, she mentioned in the EU, she mentioned the UK, so many Western governments are signing on because why not? The, 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 the amendments were written by the Western government of the United States of America by Joe Let's Go Brandon. Full-on surrender to globalism. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back to your phone calls right here on Always Right Radio. Okay, 1023. It's a free-for-all Friday, but uh, I've really been laser-locked on a couple of stories today. Joe Biden has essentially declared that American babies eat last. Foreign babies here illegally as part of these this massive invasion of the United States. They get all of the baby formula they can handle. You, your babies, nope, sorry, empty shelves. Check that story out at uh, alwaysrate.us. There's video there, there's a picture there, there's a story there, and uh, there should be some outrage there. Also, of course, surrendering of American sovereignty to the WHO. We're a week away. What is today? Today's the 13th, right? So this thing happens on the 22nd, the start of this uh, summit of theirs. So just over a week away. Uh, they're going to be signing over uh, authority on what to do in the United States with respect to health uh, and giving it to an international body. At the WHO, the World Health Organization. How do you feel about that? You once lived in a free country where you made your own decisions. Then we morphed into a country where the government made all of our health decisions for us. Take this jab or lose your job. Right? Wear this mask or get off this plane. Wear this mask or get out of this building. Used to be we made our own health decisions. Then it became the government makes our health decisions. Now... Thanks to President Brandon, it's about to be foreign globalist leaders make our health decisions. I feel about that. Biden voters, I feel about that vote right now. Let's go to BJ North Olmstead. Hey, BJ, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Bob, uh, what you're discussing today is the um, epicenter of what's going to happen. 30-year-olds to 60-year-olds, if they don't wake up in this country and they're going to be passive, 
you will be under a global government. Euthanasia will become popular for these seniors that you recommend go to these nursing homes that you advertise for, senior centers. If they're not able to be capable of taking care of themselves, they'll be euthanized. Why not? If you're willing to kill a baby before it lives a full life, what's the problem of killing a person after they've had a full life? So that's going to be one of the issues. That the killing of people is going to be a big issue because if they can't take care of themselves, the government doesn't want them on the payroll, number one. Number two, controlling what you do in your life and where you go, when you can go shopping, what you can buy, and how you're going to buy it. All these things are taking place under one world government, but it is all controlled by one industry and one industry only. Whether you're the enemy or, 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 or whether you're foe or whether you're whatever you are, it is the banking system that controls this world. They control communism, they control socialism, they control capitalism, and the world has to wake up to the truth. And if you don't start using honest language, Rothschild says, I don't give a damn who runs the government as long as I control the money. The golden calf worshippers are in control of this planet. And after all, we keep quiet about it because we do worship the Jews, do we not? From Jesus on down. So wake up, America. But wake up to the realism. If you're not honest about the truth of what's going on in your world, you're, you're damned if you, don't, if you don't lose it. I'm 91. I've lived a good life, and I'm grateful. I want you people out there in the audience to wake up. Start speaking the damn truth. You're not picking on any particular group, but you've got to pick on the people that are causing this hell in the world. It's a world of death now. Do you think Putin over there feels sorry for all the hundreds of people he's murdered? And the beautiful buildings he destroyed the country for what reason? What goal? I thank you for the time, and, 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 I, and I pray that you young people out there, and God bless you for what you do, Bob, but you thank young you. people have to wake up. It's serious. No, I, I do not disagree, my friend. Thank you. God bless, uh, BJ, and I appreciate your passion uh, because that's exactly what it takes. I try to bring the same kind of passion to all of these things, uh, you know, whether it be about the, the unborn or whether it be about euthanasia for, uh, for, for the older generations and all of the things that you talk about and all of these things we talk about surrendering our, uh, surrendering our, our liberty, surrendering our, our sovereignty. All of these things may or may not come to bite me and come to hurt me in my particular lifetime. Uh, maybe not somebody in your age bracket too, but doggone it, you're exactly right. I hope the younger generations understand what is going on. We're trying to sound the alarm and be as loud and as, um, you know, boisterous about it as we can without, uh, without being obnoxious about it. And if we have to be obnoxious, we will. Thank you, BJ. Uh, to, uh, Parma next. Hey, Bob, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hello? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, uh hi, Bob. Um, hi I've got a question. I've got a question for you and I need to, f- uh, frame it in the context of uh, your discussion about the WHO power grab, uh, because I became uh, aware of this on April uh, uh, April 20th. And uh, there's another fellow by the name of uh, James Roguski who has a website called Mm DontYouDare.info on which he has all of the documents, all of the information about this, this power grab, and my, my question is, uh, as I've been listening to things progress over the last couple of years with regard to the pandemic and so on, <clears throat> and paying attention to a lot of the, uh, the medical experts, the real medical experts in the world, uh, Malone and uh, McCullough and, and 
Zelensky and you know on and on. The question that comes to my mind, why is it that um, there there isn't more of a uh, Paul Revere, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, uh, alert system built into the conservative patriot community that gets to these things earlier. These all this information is out there on other uh, websites: Bitshoot, Brighteon, Rumble. Uh, you, you know, it goes on and on. But it always seems like the conservative. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm not pointing the finger at you. No, I understand. But but my concern is, why is it that the the talk show people are sort of uh, Johnny come lately with all this information when it's out there for anybody to go look if they pay attention? And it would seem to me that the conservative patriots thought I have some sort of a clearinghouse, some sort of a service. I don't know if Salem would back it or anything, but um, to, to bring this stuff much more quickly to the forefront. Well, I, I I think to be truthful, um, and, and I don't want this to sound defensive because, as you said, you weren't intentionally pointing the finger at me or at Salem or anybody else. But I, right. I think the reality is, and, and I thank you for the call. Keep listening to my response. Um, I, I think the reality is that the volume, the sheer volume of these important events um, and attempts and issues that we are dealing with, Make it really, really hard. I know, for example, in my situation, I don't have a giant staff the way Tucker Carlson does. Uh, he's got a staff of 50 to 100 people doing all of his research for him and pulling this, pulling that, and getting the great experts on to talk about it and sound the alarm. So there are some who are able to do it simply because they have a massive staff to deal with a massive volume of data uh, that is out there. For the rest of us, we've got to kind of browse around. We've got to look at Leo Homan, uh, which I did yesterday, and say, hey, Leo, I read your stuff about this. Can you come on to sound the alarm? Uh, we, so, you know, whether it's Johnny Come Lately or whatever it is that you want to call it, it's really hard to stay on top and out in front of all of this because the volume is enormous. The threats that we face the, the, to our liberty, to our constitutional republic, to our democracy, as the left likes to say, not understanding what it means, the, it, it's so plentiful. It is so much. It's really hard to say, oh, my gosh, did you see this? Oh, my gosh, did you see that? The fact that this came out and was uh, publicized, not publicized, but very quietly made public, there's a difference. On April 12th, which was, you know, after hiding it for months, um, yeah, it's a surprise to me that it is just kind of becoming viral and becoming aware now. But um, in some cases, there's just no other way to do it. There just, there just isn't because of the volume. You don't know where to look when you're looking under one rock to deal with one story. Another one happens to pop up in another location. And so we just have to we just have to do the very best we can. And when we do find out, sound the alarm. So. That's the best I can answer to a very tough question. Thank you for that. We'll come right back after the news. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1038. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. It's been a very, very busy show so far. Great conversation. Although I wish I didn't have that conversation really with Leo Holman. If you missed it, uh, it'll be available on our podcast page at alwayswrite.us, which links to WHK Radio. 
uh, com. So make sure that you check that out. We'll have that Leo Holman interview, by the way, uh, isolated and put up on the webpage a little bit later on today as well so that uh, you can really understand what's going on. What else is on the website? Trending now on alwaysright.us. We like to keep you informed as to what the top stories are. AlwaysWrite.us is a just a tremendous source for all of the conservative news and views that you need to know. Some of the lead stories right now. Biden says American babies eat last. He didn't say that, but that's the policy. American babies are suffering. Moms cannot find baby formula on the shelves, but they're sending pallets of it to feed the illegal babies uh, and infants that are uh, in detention because they came into the United States under Biden's uh, um, uh, invitation. How about that? So the foreign-born babies eat first, American babies eat last. That's the reality of it. Terrific story on townhall.com right now. You'll find at alwaysright.us on progressives, the progressive version of democracy, which is that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And if you're wondering where that came from, you probably didn't read Big Brother, and you should have. Elon Musk has hit the brakes on the $44 billion Twitter deal said he's still committed to the acquisition, but he wants to make sure its value is what they said it was based on the number of users. Apparently a number of bots or robots, if you will, fake accounts exist that may not mean as many eyes are on the platform as they alleged or that they uh, advertised, which means it might not be worth what he paid for it. Biden is handing over U.S. sovereignty to the WHO. Separate story there that I've been talking about all morning. Homeland Security peddling disinformation about the border. And you'll have Alejandro Mayorkas there. That's a Fox News story. Uh, Democrat Tim Ryan bringing it back to Ohio. Unsure if he wants Joe Brandon to campaign with him in Ohio against J.D. Vance. Tim Ryan knows that Joe Biden is an albatross around the neck of any candidate trying to run as a Democrat. I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah, I can understand why. So uh, check that story out there as well. And the January 6th committee has subpoenaed Kevin McCarthy and fellow House Republicans, including Jim Jordan, in a rare escalation of the fight over the January 6th story. So check all of those up. Uh, out rather at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us, the collection of conservative news and views all in one place so you don't have to go hunting in 29 different websites, along with commentary that is specific to this radio program. By the way, I will hit this again in case you missed it earlier this week in the wake of the Roe versus Wade uh, story and the, you know, the draft opinion. Um, I have put up a video that is uh, available right now at alwaysright.us. It says abortion provider's testimony. This is what the left is fighting so hard to defend. And what it is, it's five minutes of testimony given before the House Judiciary Committee two years ago uh, by Dr. Levitano. He is a former uh, abortion provider. And in this uh, uh, testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, he describes in painful, emphasize the word painful, and exacting detail exactly how an abortion is performed on a second trimester baby. Uh, it is something that the left doesn't want you to see. They don't want you to think that this is a real baby and that these horrific things happen. They want you to think it's just a health care between a mother and her doctor. This, this just brings clarity. It's a description. It's a description that you need to see and hear for yourself. And it's online right now. And once you watch it, share it with other people, please. Because um, if we're going to have this national debate on abortion, let's... Let's acknowledge and admit what abortion really is. So all of that available right now at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Charlie is in Westlake waiting patiently on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Charlie. Go ahead. Hey, um, 
Good show. Always interesting. Hey, uh, you know, we've been dealing with this same thing for since Woodrow Wilson. We call it, uh, you know, open borders. We call it climate changers, the who, you know, the WHO, globalists. But they're all, it's all Marxism, communism. And several times we've had red scares in this country where we rooted out and went after all these communists. And we're, we're just letting them rebrand their names. The Soviet Union fell, so we thought the problem went away. It's worse than ever. This globalist is anti-American. It's, it, these are the true insurrectionists, and we, we, we've got to root them out. I don't want to be like McCarthy, Joe McCarthy and not have evidence, but if they keep saying we want a world government, well, that means you are anti-American and you got to go. You can't be in our government anyway. No, I, I completely concur. You cannot be now. Their, their, their quick answer would be, what do you mean? We've always had people involved in world government. Every administration, Republican and Democrat, has added ambassadors to other world nations. You know, into, to, first to the United Nations, and then second of all, ambassadors in foreign countries. So yes, we are always coordinating and collaborating with other, you know, international governments. So that being said, that's different than the other international governments being able to hold sway over what we do within our own borders and the way we handle our own our, our sovereignty. We can't say that's against the Amer- our Constitution. You cannot sacrifice your sovereignty. This WHO, you know, Obama's fingerprints are all over it. This is his thing. We got to We got to root this stuff out. There's no question. There's no question. This is what again, and I, I don't want to repeat myself again, but. This is what, you know, fundamental transformation of America looks like. People wondered, what does he mean by that? When Obama started that, and, and you know, people thought, well, it, you know, we didn't change too much, you know, in eight years, so uh, we dodged that bullet. It was never an eight-year plan. It is a long game. He started it, and they were hoping to continue it with Hillary. Donald Trump got in the way for a few minutes, you know, four years, and now that it's right back to Biden, who is, you know, Obama's number two, it's a continuation. This is a long game. And it is indeed a surrender of American sovereignty. Thanks for the call, uh, Charlie, to uh, to globalist leaders. And I agree with you. You cannot be in the American government if you are subservient to a global government. It's one thing to say we have relationships with, we are allies with other international governments. And yes, we establish treaties with other governments. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's another thing to say we don't get to say what happens in the United States. Other global governments do. That's not a treaty that I want to be a part of. It's 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 one of the reasons why I was so you know appreciative of President Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Accords. It didn't it didn't help the the the, the planet. Number one, it didn't uh, do any damage whatsoever to the world's leading polluters, which are China and India, by virtue of their massive populations, if nothing else. All it did was put massive taxes on the United States of America and her people. We, even though we were not part of the Paris Climate Accord during the Trump years, we cut our carbon emissions by by extraordinary numbers, among the best in the world, just organically, not because of something that was ordered by this climate accord. So President Trump pulled out of a treaty like that, and I'm glad he did. He pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, which I'm glad he did. He pulled out of the World Health Organization which I'm glad he did, because we should be able to make our own decisions on these things, not uh, be at the uh, beck and call of, uh, uh, you know, of globalists. All right, let's go to Cleveland. And, uh, Mark, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mark. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, Bob. Um, I was a little perturbed that your caller 
a little while ago the 91-year-old gentleman who seemed to have implied and openly that he thinks that the entire world is controlled by the bankers and the Rothschilds and the Jews. Um, I, I really feel that that's uh, a little bit strange that you then said, I agree with everything you said. Thank you for calling. But I'll tell you one thing. If the world is controlled by the Jews, and perhaps it is, that also means that every beautiful tree and every watermelon and every pineapple and every healthy baby and every um, aspect of beauty and love and goodness and food on your table. You can go to any gas station in America and pretty much get dinner. That's pretty incredible. You know, there's food everywhere. So maybe the Jews are controlling that also and giving you all the fun and good things in your life as well. So why is it when some guy's a little unhappy with his life, what does he do? Oh, the Jews are controlling the world, so they must be the cause of my unhappiness. But then the happy people could say, well, the Jews are controlling the world. They're the cause of all my happiness. So maybe that's the situation. And I think you have to kind of wake up, Bob. This is not really something that you should be peddling on your show. I think you're above this, or maybe you're not. But okay. I'll give you the well, opportunity. Let me, yeah, let, me, let me respond to that, Mark, and I appreciate your phone call. Thank you. Uh, to be very clear, I did not say I agree with everything that BJ said. What I said is I agree with and appreciate his passion uh, because he's very concerned about future generations. Uh, also, never, ever have I suggested or would I suggest that I think the quote-unquote Jews are controlling everything. Now, when somebody talks about the Rothschilds or when somebody talks about, uh, you know, the, the global banking system, uh, you know, d- does that impact or are there people who are Jewish who may, you know, certainly be be a part of that, yes. Does that condemn Judaism or Jews to being the problem or Jews to being the controllers or the bankers or any of the things that used to be alleged about the Jews by, I don't know, Nazi Germany? It absolutely does not. Um, I think that is a slur. I think it is an anti-Semitic suggestion to say that the Jews are, quote, controlling the world banking system for their own benefit. Uh, Never would agree with that in a million years. Uh, are there individuals who are part of the global banking system, if you will, that are not necessarily looking out for the best interests of all? Yeah. Are some of them Jewish? Very possibly. Very probably. Does that mean that th- those that, uh, those that are reflect the Jewish population, uh, population or Judaism in general or Jewish ethnicity? Not at all. Any more than those who are not Jewish who are part of the world banking system that are, uh, that are bankrupting and, and putting this country and the, and, and the world in general in, in very serious jeopardy for future generations. Any more than they represent their ethnicity or that their ethnicity plays a role in what they do. So I just want to be very clear. Never would I suggest, never did I suggest. What I did suggest is the passion, uh, that BJ, uh, has for, uh, looking out for future generations. Uh, I do agree with. And if we are not aware, if we are not alert, if we are not careful, um, we are going to find ourselves controlled, if you will, by the globalists that I was just talking about with respect to the WHO and those in charge of the world banking system. We're going we're gonna to find ourselves essentially regulated right out of our capitalist constitutional republic. We're not going to be able to survive, is my point. But in no way, shape, or form did I support or would I support something that suggests that uh, uh, Jews control the, the world banking system and the world banking system is, is going to harm us all. Therefore, Jews are bad. Never in a million years. So I'm glad you phrased it more as a question than an accusation, because if it was more of an accusation, I would defend myself with much more vigor. But since you are phrasing it as a question, I will deliver it as a respectful answer. No, never would I suggest such things. All right, 10.50, quick timeout. More calls, 216-901-0945. 
888-281-1110. Don't forget, use the Always Right button in the upper right-hand corner of the, eh, close to the corner of the alwayswrite.us. Click Sound Off. Um, enter your name. Click Record. Speak into your computer's microphone or your phone's microphone. Click Stop and click Send. It'll come to me. I'll play it, and we'll talk about it right here on AM 1420, The Answer, right back. One, two, three, four. 10.55. Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer on what we like to call a free-for-all Friday. I do have a conversation coming up in just a few with David Freeman, pushing for a convention of states. We talked to him before a big event that was held out in uh, at uh, Lorain County Community College a few weeks ago, and uh, we're going to talk to him with a follow-up. I ran into David, actually, at a UPS store as he was printing more brochures for an event that's coming up tomorrow in support of Convention of the States. So uh, we're going to talk to David, get an update on that at uh, at about 1110. Uh, but we will take your phone calls again in open lines or free-for-all Friday form. Hi, Bob. Brad from Parma. I was thinking about the gubernatorial election, gubernatorial election, excuse me, between Mike DeWine and whatever leftist is running out of Dayton. I'm not sure voting for a third-party candidate is the wisest thing for uh, us conservatives to do. It could lead to the Blystone effect, uh, where enough people vote for a guy who can't possibly win and hand the governor's uh, chair to some leftist who ran her city into the ground. What we probably need to focus on now is making sure that strong conservative candidates get elected to the state house. So while DeWine is a bit of a weasel, we can maybe control that weasel. Um, he's, as I said earlier, not one of the greatest uh, governors in our history of our state. But I'd rather have a governor who's on my side part of the time than a nutcase who's going to drive my state into the ground. Have a good day. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, Brad, in Parma, for that message left at alwaysright.us. Listen, um, you're not wrong. When you point out that Nan Whaley ran her city into the ground, you're right. But I would counter with, well, Mike DeWine ran Ohio into the ground, and he did, and I'm right. Um, Electing strong conservatives to the state house is a good idea, but Ohio doesn't do that. Ohio doesn't have enough strong conservatives. If Ohio had strong conservatives in it, in its voting population, among Republican voters, um, Jim Renacci would be the the, uh, gubernatorial nominee. If Ohio had strong enough conservative leadership, or excuse me, uh, conservative voting base, you wouldn't have Bob Cup in charge of the state house. You wouldn't have uh, Huffman in charge of the uh, Ohio Senate. If we had strong enough conservative votes, voters in this state, we wouldn't have had John Kasich. We wouldn't have had Mike DeWine to begin with. We don't have strong conservative voters in the state of Ohio. We don't have strong conservatives in leadership of the ORP. We've got Bob Panuchik. And before that, we had Jane Timken. We've got rhino weenies in, in the Republican Party in the state of Ohio. And I'm sorry that I have to say such things. And I'm sorry if it burns a few bridges and if it, if it stings a few arses. Uh, it is what it is. The Ohio Republican Party is full of rhinos. 
They call themselves Republicans. They act like Democrats. Filled with them. Leadership in the State House. Leadership on committees. Leadership in the ORP. Leadership in the full uh, 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 State Central Committee. Leadership at the executive level, DeWine. Leadership at the uh, at every level. Leadership in the in the judiciary. We got a Democrat wearing an R on her robe named Maureen O'Connor who is destroying um, the the manner by which districts are drawn legally and constitutionally, all to favor the other party. And there's an old adage that goes something like, you know. With friends like you, I don't need enemies. Well, that's how I feel about the state of Ohio and the, and the Republican Party. With Republicans like these, we don't need Democrats. We already have them. Republicans in this state are weenies. They're weak. They're betas. They're followers. They're Democrats. And there just aren't enough conservative voters. If there were conservative enough voters here, we'd solve these problems in the primary elections, not in the general where we're forced to, uh, to choose between an actual registered Democrat like Nan Whaley and an in-practice Democrat like Mike DeWine. That's the reality of it, my friend. I don't like it any more than you do, but I'm, but I'm going to recognize it. I'm cognizant of it. And at the end of the day, we're probably going to have to vote for somebody that we cannot stand in the hope of at least getting one thing right, that being the right to life. That might be the only thing we can do. We'll take a time out here. Top of the hour news. We'll come back. We've still got another 45-ish minutes left of uh, Always Right Radio. We're going to talk about the Convention of States with David Freeman, too, coming up. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us and live on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into hour number three on a Friday. Thanks for being with us. It's a free-for-all Friday. Phone lines will be open again at 216-901-0945, right here on this 13th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Our republic is in serious jeopardy. Our... Uh, our leadership is surrendering our sovereignty to globalists uh, in the World Health Organization. If you didn't hear the interview I did with Leo Holman, it'll be available within the next 45 minutes. 
Uh, it's up right now, I'm told. It's up right now. Go to whkradio.com, go to the podcast page, and you can check and listen to the Leo Homan interview, although I'd prefer you listen to it after the show uh, rather than during the show. But check that out and uh, understand the threat. It really is as grave as it sounds. The Brandon administration has lit- literally proposed amendments uh, in an international treaty that would surrender all authority over health decisions in the United States of America to the World Health Organization. And all member nations who sign on to this would all be in the same situation. The globalists would decide what each and every individual nation does with respect to health. Does that mean simply in response to a pandemic? It absolutely does not. They can extend health into any aspect they want, if they want. And this is why I didn't get a chance to talk to Leo about this. But if they wanted to declare firearms an urgent public health issue and thus a restriction on firearms on the American people or on the people of any other nation that signs on to this, they would be able to do so, and we would be helpless. All right? If they declare global warming to be an existential threat to the health of the people of that country or of the world, they can force member nations who sign on to this treaty, uh, they can force this to change the way they do everything in their industry. Think about it. It's not just about masking. It's not just about shots. It's about those things, but so much more. Um, if you if you missed that interview, and if you have not read, and if you have not listened to the story, I've got all kinds of video and and uh, uh, articles about this too, online at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. All right, let's bring in uh, David Freeman now, as promised. David Freeman is representing an organization here in Ohio, uh, which is also joined by uh, concerned patriots in a number of other states to bring about a con- an Article Five convention of states, an opportunity for the states to get together. Uh, and essentially, you know, redefine the Constitution, uh, or, or perhaps maybe to just strengthen the Constitution. An Article Five Convention of the States has been called for by a lot of people who say that we are simply in a, in a direction right now that we have to find a way to turn away from. We have to find a way to get on a new track, and we can't do it on this particular path. David Freeman joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer with more. Hey, David, how are you? I, <clears throat> I am amped up. I cannot believe that you started our conversation talking about the, the WHO. I did not listen to your program earlier because I was listening to other things talking about that very issue and I asked a bunch of friends of mine, they dig into this, you know, identify, fact check it, whatever you want to do. Is this real or not? Let me know, please. And the more I dug into it, this is real. There, there was a uh, interview by Michelle Bachman. You know, she's She's all I played in, a portion. Aware. Yeah, I played a portion of that interview. She oh, did, did you? On, yeah, she did that on uh, Steve Bannon <clears throat> on uh, War Room Pandemic, and I played a portion of that before I had Leo Holman, investigative journalist, on because uh, he wrote about it at leoholman dot com as well. It's real. It's as real as it gets. Starts in about nine days, May twenty second through May twenty eighth, I believe it is, right. in Geneva. And uh, these are, you know, as I said, David to to Leo. The, the most alarming thing, I mean, it would be already alarming and terrifying, quite frankly, if the World Health Organization leadership in other countries proposed such a thing and that we were going to go to the meeting. Um, 
uh, you know, about uh, surrendering our, our national sovereignty by way of our own health decisions to, to, to a globalist organization. But it's not that. It's, it's written by us. It's the Biden administration that has proposed the amendments to the international treaty already on the books. It is Biden who is the one who is saying, let's let the WHO make all of the decisions for all of the member nations uh, in the event of global health crises, whether it be a pandemic or, as I said, you know, whether it be climate change or gunfire or, or anything else. This is our doing. This is our president. Rather than us responding to it, we're the one driving it. Well, this this makes me emotional. It just does. Um, <clears throat> and the emotion needs to drive us in a positive direction. And that positive direction must be we the people coming together with a united voice, standing up and saying enough is enough. Let's draw the line in the sand. Let's get, a, a, get out of our basement and start putting feet to going forward. Um, I, Bob... You and I ran into each other the other day, mm-hmm. and it, 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 I believe that was not an accident. Everybody I talked to, the, the guy behind the deli counter, I, I talked to him about Convention of States. He, he didn't know about it. I just gave him my 60-second elevator speech. He's all in. I go to uh, another store. I talk to people, just str- strangers on the street. I talk to them about the ability or possibility of establishing the Convention of States and what it would do, everybody I talk to, their eyes are wide open, they understand, they see the same things that you and I see, Bob, and they're all in. And so I'm, I'm having a, hopefully there's enough room. <laughs> I kind of jokingly, when we had that event over at the Spitzer Center, said that my new uh, district office is over at Dunkin' Donuts, well, the the manager over there is saying, sure, you need this room. I'll reserve it for you anytime you want to. So this Saturday at 1030, show up at Dunkin' Donuts across from the college. You get free coffee, and you get to hear about things that are going on. Not only that, but more importantly, what you can do to stem the tide of what's about to roll right over us. I, mean, I, I can't put it any plainer than that. Sign a petition. If you've already signed a petition, show up. Because guess what? You know other people. And for you to not tell them about it is the same thing as making a decision for them. So people need to become aware on what's going on and what they can do to move Ohio across the the finish line and become one of the other 19 states in our country that is all in on on, uh, conducting a convention of states. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It's a lot of information, but uh, it does. And of course, you and I have spoken and I have talked about this a little bit before. So it's it's a little bit more um, familiar for me, but maybe not for everyone else. So for them, I want to read right off of the website, conventionofstates.com, David, uh, what the, the Article 5 uh, Convention of States really says. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the, of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, 
as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Now, that's that's a that's a lot, and and of course the way it's written, one thousand eight hundred and eight, and so on and so forth. People might say, well, it's not applicable today, but clearly it is. It is not just the Congress that can uh, amend the Constitution. The states can band together. It takes thirty-four of them to call the convention, thirty-eight to ratify any amendments that are proposed in such a convention. It can be done. It's just obviously a lot to get done. Uh, so, David, having said all of that, um, how how far along are we? I think I heard you say 19, right? Yes, and um, shortly there are three more states, Ohio being one of them, along with Pennsylvania and North Carolina. This year, we'll go in session and vote on their respective applications to have the Convention of States uh, certified, uh, or convened, I should say. Um, the, the Ohio... Uh, has, as you know, uh, Gail Manning is one of the co-sponsors here in, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have her in my district, and she is uh, all in, along with her uh, son, who's on the Senate side. And so what we need to do is get as many petitions signed and submitted. Now, the the uh, impactful thing that I see happening is that as soon as I get a petition in my hand, I put it into the system. The system shoots it to Columbus, Ohio. So the legislators automatically see your petition with your signature, and they keep coming in every day. And the more we can send in on a daily basis, the more impactful it will become. And the decision will be made for Ohio to join their other 19 fellow states uh, to have this convention adjourned. Um, convened. <laughs> convened. Yep, I know what you meant. We got to convene it before we can adjourn it. <laughs> We're talking to David yes, Freeman, who is one of the supporters and organizers, getting petition, uh, petition signatures on petitions for Ohio to uh, to join the uh, the Convention of States. According to the website conventionofstates.com, states where the Convention uh, of States application has passed in one chamber of their legislatures, but not the other, include New Mexico, Iowa, South Dakota, Virginia, North Carolina, and New Hampshire. So those states are halfway there. So quick adding one, two, three, four, five. That's six more states added to the 19 would be 25. You've got to get to 34 to have them. So now you've got to find nine more. States considering the Convention of States resolution in 2022 include, as you just pointed out, Ohio. And it looks like about another 15 or so states. So it's on the, it's on the table in a lot of places. Uh, there's still some hurdles, obviously, that have to be cleared in order for us to get to this number 34. But David, I want to jump ahead to what I'm sure a lot of people who are listening right now are thinking to themselves. So what? What then? Say we get our 34 and we have our convention. Woohoo! Now we get to get together and argue uh, among 34 states for what amendments we want um, to the United, the Constitution of the United States. So do you have an idea? What would be, priority list-wise, the top one or two or three things that Ohio might go into a convention of states arguing for in terms of amending the Constitution, because I would imagine you know, every state delegation is going to come with their own wish list of things they want to see done. 
Um, you know, and then we got to bring in four more states if we do get this done. You know, thirty-eight to to ratify such things. So, do you have an idea, David? Of okay, let's say we get the convention, we have it. What are we going in there uh, aiming to do? Well, that's a great question, and the answer is one of education. We need to let people know that this isn't just a a wide open. Let's have a debate on everything under the sun. It's very specific. There are three pillars that we're presenting at the convention itself. First and foremost, um, the three items that we're, that we're proposing to amend the Constitution with are, number one, uh, term limits, number two, a balanced budget, number three, limiting the power of the federal government from intruding on the jurisdiction of the states themselves. We are a republic. We are the United States of America, not the United Bureaucrats of America. And I want to, the other day I, I looked at how many employees, and this is just one example, are there in the um, Department of Homeland Security? It's shocking. There's 214,000 employees in the Department of Homeland Security. Now, from the federal government standpoint, why don't we just employ everybody in the country? They're on our payroll. We can dictate to them what we want to do and where we want it done. Our government is so out of control that most people don't really understand the magnitude. We're $30 trillion in debt. And the example that we used in our uh, event at the uh, Spitzer Conference Center was this. My wife and I talked uh, quite a while ago. I'm a simple man. I don't understand what a trillion dollars means. It's, it's so big that I can't get my arms around it. And we put it in this perspective, $1 million. If you gave me a $1 million bill and I gave you change in singles, counting out a single every second of the day, every day, it would take me 12 days to give you the change. If it were a billion-dollar bill with a B, it would take me 31 years. How about a trillion-dollar bill? It would take me 31,688 years to give you that change. That's that's what we're talking about. And the the, the, the word that scares me most is that it's, it's, we are in debt. Anytime anybody goes into debt, they owe someone else money. What is that entity that the United States owes all this money to? If you take a look and follow the money, like, <laughs> like it's a very good thing to do, uh, you'll understand uh, we're in deep doo-doo if we don't, if we don't turn it around. So those, those three elements, are very consistent of all the 19 states that have already passed, and the um, the joint resolutions are being presented in Ohio are very specific. The wording is the same. One of the reasons why it didn't work so well in the past is because the individual states really weren't in concert with each other, not on the same page after the same thing. So it's not kind of like helter-skelter, let's talk about everything under the sun. No, this is very very specific. That's why it will not be and cannot be a runaway convention. If the delegates sent by Ohio go to the convention and they do anything other than what we send them to do, we can immediately pull them back. And there are some states, um, Bob, that if you if you get outside of that those guidelines, you can not only be brought back, but we can bring felony charges against you. That's pretty. That's pretty serious. Yeah, so that, it, it, all it of those really is. Are, 
It, it really is. And, and in the interest of time here, I've got to jump in here, David, and just ask one last question. Sure. A friend of mine just texted me listening to us right now <clears throat> and said, what about... What if the Convention of States, which goes there to amend the Constitution, what if a number of them decide they want to amend the amendments? What if there is a significant push to amend or alter or restrict Second Amendment rights, for example? Could we could we do more harm than good, potentially? Well, the answer to that is simple. Uh, and I just uh, I tried to explain it. The Convention is held um, for very specific reasons. Here are the three reasons we are here to discuss, and it, it'll be a debate over mm-hmm. these three issues, the term limits, the uh, limiting the federal government overreach into the jurisdiction of the states, and balanced budget. Uh, those, those three items and those three items only can be discussed and debated during the convention itself. Good. That, that's a good answer. That's clarity that I think people need to understand this. So, David, I'm out of time here. Uh, so tomorrow, again, give people the where and uh, and where they can come to put their name on a petition to try to uh, encourage our, our state uh, General Assembly to join this convention. Where are you going to be? Yes, it, it's at the uh, Dunkin' Donuts across from Lorraine Community College, and they are going to reserve that room with the fireplace. That will be nice. Um, at 10.30 in the morning, and... To incentivize you early morning risers, if 10.30 is early morning for you, we'll give you free coffee. (laughs) We'll have an open discussion. We'll brainstorm. Even those who have already signed a petition, I want you to show up because there are things that you can be doing, not the least of which is offer your skills and talents that I personally don't have in order for us to go forward in a more powerful uh, way to get the word out. Now, I also want to plug you, Bob, the... (laughs) Um, Citizens for Free Speech, you are giving next Thursday is on the 19th, yes. I believe it is, yes. on how to become an activist and what activists are going to do and how we get things done as a group. The reason I bring that up is because you and I, along with the um, Tea Parties and the Ohio Stands Up and the American Frontline Doctors, we all have our little units. We need to come together as one. Uh, we, we just do. That is exactly what local activist is all about. And, 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 David, I appreciate you giving that a plug, too. I'll talk more about it in a bit. But for now, I'll say goodbye and thank you and have a great event tomorrow morning at 1030. I hope a lot of people come out to the Dunkin' Donuts there in Elyria slash Sheffield up across from Lorain County Community College. No, you're right. That's what local activist is all about, which is our uh, proprietary social media platform owned by Citizens for Free Speech to bring groups like Convention of States, uh, you know, um, We the People uh, Convention, Uh, Ohio Stands Up and all the others to bring them together under one umbrella to work toward a common goal. Thank you, David Freeman. Uh, Right back after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. My question for you today is, uh, in regards to parents who are reported at school board meetings uh, expressing their concerns, and just in the case, you know, an FBI agent goes to someone's ha- someone's house to question them, uh, get information. Does that person have the right to not talk to them? Are they allowed to? say, you know, use their Fifth Amendment rights, that they don't have to speak 
to an agent without their lawyer present. Um, and I'm just wondering if, uh, if you know the answer to that. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you, uh, Derek. Uh, the answer to that is absolutely. Your Fifth Amendment rights apply. You don't have to answer anybody, whether you've been charged with a crime or not. If a FBI official, an agent, whether it be federal or state uh, uh, police, uh, want to ask you questions, you can choose to cooperate or you can choose not to, particularly if it's the FBI and they're questioning you about things you said at a school board meeting. Absolutely not. The first thing I would do is say, thank you for your inquiry. You will be hearing from my attorney with my responses. Uh, so, yeah, and the left, by the way, doesn't want to acknowledge the Brandon administration continues to argue that they are not sending FBI agents to talk to school bo- parents who speak out against the agenda at the school board meetings. And yet we have countless numbers of examples of exactly that. There's a new one that actually just came out yesterday. So it should absolutely be... Um, uh, common knowledge for people to understand that if they are contacted by the FBI or anybody else for their questions, comments, or conduct during a school board meeting in which they are trying to fight for their kids, um, you absolutely have the right not to answer those questions unless you're represented by counsel. Thanks for the question, Derek. Appreciate it. Let's go to um, how about Bruce in Medina? Hey, Bruce, how are you? Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, What's up? Just wanted to a great show. I wanted to call in and, and uh, remind everybody that McFan will be meeting tomorrow, and it's go- it's only going to be there. It's going to be their only meeting for the month because the next meeting would fall on the uh, Memorial Day weekend. So this is going to be the only meeting, and the uh, guest is going to be, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, George Sakari uh, with the roundtable format, and so they're going to be discussing a. Uh, uh, a, a lot of different topics, things that they want to do uh, moving forward. I know they're going to focus on uh, school boards and how do we get conservatives on the school boards, uh, things like that. And uh, the host will actually be uh, Jonathan Broadbent, who I know you're familiar with. So he's he's going to be hosting it uh, as, as Lisa's not going to be there tomorrow. So it, well, it should be a is- good show. It sure will be because they're both great guys with a lot of very, very um, uh, dedicated uh, uh, interests, I guess, if you will, in the uh, in the course of our liberty. George Satari is a terrific guy, and Jonathan Broadbent running the show, uh, I'm sure, will be a great, great, a great event. Thank you, Bruce, for the information. We appreciate it. Have a great meeting tomorrow. Hey, you too. Medina Bye. County friends and neighbors, uh, tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. at the Thirsty Cowboy uh, in Medina. Terrific, terrific event and organization. And I love George, and I love Jonathan. Good stuff. Uh, Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Hey, Norm, go ahead, sir. Bob, I, I never want to correct you, but you made a mistake before because you used an oxymoron called Republican leadership. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I did. I slipped. I made a very, I made a big mistake there. I what in God's name is wrong with these people? Do, don't they understand that not only is the fate of our country in the hands of these globalists and these communists, and that's exactly what they are, Klaus Schwab and his entire gang. But interesting to note, the single largest contributor to the World War. World Health Organization is none other than Bill Gates. And Bill Gates came out with a book this week and he was hawking it. And he talked about how we must be beholding to the World Health Organization. Now, it's a mere coincidence that this May 22nd executive order is going to roll into place without a, a peep of protest. But 
look behind the curtain. Bill Gates, the number one contributor to the World Health Organization. I mean, this is unbelievable. Well, I don't um, no, go ahead. Don't our Republican congressmen and senators know that if this happens, that these commies and that's what they are can basically nullify our midterm elections? Well, that like was the question that I asked. Dependent? Yeah, that's the question that I asked Leo Homan about, and a and a previous caller, actually somebody on the, on the website, left me that message asking that question, and Leo said absolutely they can, which is why they believe, or Leo believes, and I think so too. Thank you, Norm, for the call. Uh, the Biden administration kept the lid on this up until a month ago on April twelfth, because it's too late to do anything now. At least that's the thought to stop this, but absolutely, this could be the last second Hail Mary power grab. Hold on to power by canceling the midterm elections in November, because a massive spike in COVID cases is going to come back, you know, new variants and subvariants, and people are going to be sniffling, and they may have a little bit of a fever for the next few months, and boy, we can't have elections under these conditions. Or, at the very least, It'll be, you know, 100% mail-in balloting like they did in 2020, where they're going to send out just scores of ballots to anybody and everybody who has ever, you know, had a had a Social Security number. Whether they're alive or dead, living in the same location, different state, doesn't matter. They're going to send out all of these unrequested ballots in order to, well, let's have a repeat of 2,000 mules. And if you didn't see that movie yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Kid you not, the weekend's here. What are you doing tonight? Uh, you going to see Doctor Strange? How about you watch 2,000 Mules instead? It's worth your time. Serious. Uh, go ahead and go to 2,000mules.com and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, the, the threat against our midterm elections in an attempt to hold on to Democrat power is legitimate and real. Navy Man Norma, thank you for the call. Thanks to everybody who called today. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Johnny Howes running our show. And thanks to you for listening and being a part of it. Hope you have a safe weekend. Stay safe. Remain free. And let's go, Brandon. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.